Welcome back to the show, everybody. This is the Pure Ambition Podcast, episode 55. I'm your host, Dom Fusco. I appreciate you guys tuning in today. With me, I got my guy, Mike Woodby. Mike is a remote coach who combines raw passion for the iron with a modern, thoughtful perspective on life, nature, and performance. Mike is a certified strength and conditioning specialist and licensed athletic trainer who made the shift to remote coaching in 2020 with the launch of Grizzly Performance. Through Grizzly Performance, Mike seeks to help meatheads like himself develop into well-rounded hybrid athletes who lift heavy and possess incredible aerobic fitness. Along with building high-performance athletes, Mike strives to instill an understanding of human potential and a more meaningful relationship with nature. This is a really cool conversation. We cover everything from why Mike left his job as an athletic trainer to become a fitness entrepreneur and coach, even though not that long ago he graduated with a degree in athletic training. Uh, how to maximize results on a hybrid training program, how to gain muscle and lose fat, the best thing to do for recovery, how to start attracting an audience on social media, some of the mistakes Mike made when he was first starting out his business, and a lot more. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. I really did. I learned a lot. So without further ado, we'll hop into the episode. Okay, I'm here with my good friend, Mike Woodby, and we are actually recording about a thousand yards from each other down the street. Right. Could have done this in person, but uh, we are both from the, uh, I'm from in the comfort of my apartment. You are in the comfort of your home. Mike, hey. great to have you on here, man. Hey, it's good to be here. It's cold out, so uh, I'm happy to do it from here and not have to walk over to your place. Well, I appreciate uh, I appreciate you coming on here today. Um, you know, you and I got to know each other when you were the uh, assistant athletic trainer over at Dickinson College. Always thought you were a, a really interesting guy uh, over there, and now you have since moved away from the athletic training space and kind of transitioned into the fitness entrepreneur. Uh, game. So why don't you talk a little bit about that and, you know, why you shifted away from athletic training into where you are now? Yeah, man. Um, it's a great question. Funny. Uh, I think your freshman year was my first year there. So we kind of wrapped up sort of at the same time. Um, yeah, the, the transition was a tough one for me to make, uh, but it was just kind of necessary. It was spurred on. Um, I love sports med. Uh, it was fantastic. It was wonderful. But I don't know. I, I feel like this is just like you hear this on a broken record COVID, right? Like COVID changed everything and uh, things were just inconsistent for, for kind of like that full year. Right. And so uh, summer of 2020 uh, remote coaching started to be a thing. And I was like, man, like I love strength and conditioning. Um, I love training and I don't see a great opportunity to branch into that um, from, you know, my current position, you know, like where I was working in person. And uh, and I said, well, like, why not? I don't, I don't have anything to lose at this point. Um, so let's take this online. Let's see what we can do. Um, so I really started with no idea. I had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, I thought I was just going to like sell programs, uh, online and just somehow like attract people automatically without even trying. Um, and I realized that's not how it's done. So it's been a, it's been a learning year, uh, for sure. It's been about 14 months, um, but we've come a long way. Um, you know, the coaching business has grown. I now offer a, a premium service and am like actually growing to the point where, you know, I, I was able to transition out of sports medicine basically completely and be fully self-employed, which has been uh, a blessing. The freedom of that is awesome. So. That's where I'm at now. So 
did you start this while you were still employed and kind of did this as a side thing or did you just full go send it and, and start and go full in on this? Yeah, uh, I, I started it as a side gig. Um, I've been doing some in-person personal training for a while on the side. Um, the online thing was sort of like a really was low commitment. Like let's dabble in this and see what happens. Right. And I realized more and more as it grew um, that to, to offer a really good service, I had to have more time to dedicate my online clients. Um, and so last spring I did work at Dickinson in combination with uh, in-person personal training and online training. And that got so busy. I felt like I was getting behind uh, on my online clients. So this summer I worked really hard to, to bring on enough people that I could just kind of jump off the deep end and, and go all in on self-employment. So started soft, um, which I think was a smart move because uh, I had a lot to learn. And then once I felt confident, it has been a little bit of a, you know, like jump off and just make sure that I stay afloat type of a deal. You know, like it's a little nerve wracking not to have a base salary to fall back on. Um, but it's worth it. You know, it gives you kind of the kick in the butt that you need to keep going. So. Yeah. I think incentives um, or the, I guess the lack thereof <laughs> sometimes motivates us to, uh, to really get going on, on things we need to do and beating resistance. I read the book, uh, the art of war or, no, the War of Art by Stephen yeah. Crossfield, and it was all about beating resistance and you know just sitting down, doing the work, like being willing to make mistakes and you know fail, but still showing up to do that every day. So I think that's really important, um, and that applies to fitness as well. You know, there's there's you're not going to get the body you want, you're not going to get the results that you want in a day. So um, you know, when you started doing this, did you have a specific person in mind that you wanted to work with or were you just kind of taking on everybody at first I know you said you didn't have a clear direction right away so um, kind of just take me through the progression of where it started versus where you're at now yeah man um, I mean I think as with any young professional like we're we're dramatically influenced by the leaders in our field um, and I saw a couple people like very clearly on the front end of, or, or, or the front lines of the online coaching um, sphere in the strength and conditioning industry. And what those guys were doing is they were, they were coaching coaches, right? And so when I got started, it was like, these are the accounts I'm following. These are the people I'm seeing. And I started posting like that kind of content, right? Like really nitty gritty educational stuff that was speaking to other coaches um, and just like trying to get shared around in those circles um, and get recognized in like kind of the higher strength and conditioning circles, right? I wanted to be reposted to, to other coaches' stories and I wanted to sound really, really smart and intelligent um, and feel like I was a, a big, uh, big name in the industry. And I think part of that stemmed from, um, you know, something I'm, I've heard, I'm, I'm sure you've heard of it's sort of the imposter syndrome, right. Mm. As like a newbie breaking in. And it's like, I think I have all the knowledge, but like, I've got to prove myself. Like, I don't feel like I measure up to these guys. Um, and so that's where I was at first. Like, I, no, I didn't have a niche. I was just trying to like seem smart to other coaches. Right. 
Um, and so like, it was hard to come by actual clients because nobody knew what I was talking about. Nobody knew if I was talking to them. Um, <laughs> like nobody knew exactly what I did. They knew I was smart, but like, could I help them specifically, you know? Um, and so, yeah. And it was basically like, whatever you want. Do you want to get strong? Do you want to get yoked? Do you want to get fast? Like all of these things, whoever you are, I'll take you on. And I didn't get many hits. Um, and so as I've gone, I've kind of refined, you know, I've refined my niche. Uh, I realized over the winter that I really wanted to, to work with people who are kind of like passionate about, um, passionate about the outdoors, but really passionate about just like being excited about what their bodies could do and, the, and how they could exist within the world. Right. Um, and so I started like trying to market towards outdoor athletes. And then eventually I decided like, I've got to define that. Like who are the specific people? Like, what do they want to do? What do I want to coach these people to do? Right. Like not just people that like being outdoors, but what do those people like to do and how can I dial that niche in? And so where I've gotten to is basically, um, hybrid athletes, right? People who love to be strong, um, but who also really want to be well-conditioned, super in shape. And very often these are people that want to run long distances or trail run, or just like be outside long hikes, long bike rides, be really good at that stuff so that they can basically embrace being in nature during their exercise. Right? Like that's kind of where that took me. Um, and that's a, that's a growing niche, but it's still relatively small. And so at this point, like I'm, I'm kind of in on the ground level of that hybrid training sort of niche. Um, and I'm loving that. Like, that's what I love to do personally. Right. So I'm kind of my own client avatar at this point. Um, and dialing in that niche has gotten me a lot of success as far as like producing content. Right. I can be really specific on the content I can produce. Um, you know, I can, I can create a lot more high quality stuff targeted directly for that audience. Um, you know, I can really tailor my coaching systems to those people, right? I don't have to have coaching systems that can address, you know, like bodybuilders, powerlifters, runners, right? Like it's, it's all streamlined. It's all brought together to address this one person and that's the hybrid athlete. So that's kind of where I'm at at this point. Yeah, I definitely think that that is a growing niche as well. Um, <clears throat> I was into the whole hybrid athlete training regimen as well when uh, about a year ago, I would say I was big into that when I didn't think it was after my senior season of football was canceled. And I didn't think I was gonna be coming back to play. Sure. So I was like, you know what, I'm gonna start running. Um, and I'm gonna keep lifting because I enjoy it. But you know, I think a lot of people are under the impression that you have to be one or the other, like you have to be focused fully on endurance or you have to be focused fully on strength. And I really do think it's possible. I think it's, it's more than possible to, you know, excel at both of them. How are you, like, how do you run your training programs or, or you know, what is a common misconception that you, you, you tell to people that think that I have to be focused on strength or I have to be focused on endurance? Yeah, man. I think, I think the big reason for that misconception is that um, we're talking about elites when we get into that conversation, right? Like, yeah, you're not going to see an elite power lifter uh, also running like a 530 mile. 
right? Like that's, that's not going to happen. Right. And it's because once you get to a certain status, the amount of training load you need to continually push your ceiling and that discipline is so high that you really can't have any competition, right? So if you've got somebody that's squatting 800 pounds, if they're trying to get to 825, you're not going to want to have them out running the trails during the week, you know, like that's, that's not a good idea. Um, but that's a conversation when we're talking about elites, when we're talking about just normal people who really want to train and who want to feel their absolute best, those two things can absolutely coexist and you can get better than most people at both of them, right? Like you're, if you're training hybrid, you're probably not going to be the best in the world at, you know, deadlifting and the best in the world at running, but you, you can probably get yourself to 95th, 98th percentile of the world in both of those. If you really, really push hard. Right. I mean, like those things can still improve if you manage your training well. So I think that's the one misconception is we're not talking about elite athletes here. Um, elite within the hybrid training discipline for sure, but elite within like one discipline on its own, you know, that's a whole different conversation. You know, another one that has been pushed around, and I think this is pushed around really in the bodybuilding conversation more than anything, is the cardio kills your gains. Um, misconception, right? And again, it's just a, a question of application. You know, are you going for maximum all out hypertrophy, right? Where all of your recovery is focused on growing the muscle. Then maybe you don't do very much cardio, right? Because we're trying to spare recovery. Um, but again, like we can still build muscle, we can still build strength. Um, and the interference effect that people talk about um, as far as like cardio killing your gains, right? Part of that is recovery cost. You know, you only have so many resources that you have to allocate towards, you know, uh, different targets in your training. Um, but another part of that is the actual physiology, right? There, there seem to be these hormone cascades that turn on and off depending on what your training stimulus is, okay? But those are so complicated that even though there seems to be interference and most likely because of that recovery load issue, um, we can't say that, you know, cardio is actually responsible for turning down uh, muscle growth, right? We can't say that. There's too many things. There's too many factors that play into whether or not we stimulate muscle growth, right? So we can't really say that cardio is what does it. Um, you know, if, if you structure your training plan right, it seems to be the opposite, actually, for most people, where if you get more people in shape, or excuse me, if you get people more in shape, they're more likely to actually do more high quality work. And so therefore, they can, they can get stronger, and they can pack on more muscle, because they have the endurance to actually um, be resilient through higher volumes, um, higher quality work, that kind of thing. And so you know, that's kind of the misconception of cardio killing your gains. Um, maybe for some people, but for most people, probably not. You know, I also see a lot of people or I hear from a lot of people who will use the term like skinny fat. Um, so, you know, <laughs> like they want to put on muscle, but they also have this like, you know, layer of fat or like they have a little bit of a gut, but, um, yeah. So in terms of like those like skinny fat people, I, what I've seen a lot is, you know, doing a lot of research is most of these people will turn to just 
running a lot and then like they'll be like oh yeah i'm in i'm in the gym uh, but then they don't really have a plan or like an idea of of what to do and they don't know how to like mesh this hybrid athlete like training regimen together so like for somebody specifically like in that body type you know where would you start them or like, like what, would, what would be some like recommendations for you to just kind of give them a little bit of structure? Maybe somebody who has not really worked out a ton in their life, um, but you know, they like to be outdoors. They want to play in like a, in, in like a rec league. They want to be in shape or like, even if they just want to, you know, look good, like in the summer, they just overall like want to feel better. Um, but then they want to do both. Like they enjoy uh, running, but then they also want to want to weight lift. Like, but I, th I think there's just a miss, like a miss there um, in terms of like connecting, build muscle, but also lose that fat. I think that's a common goal for people. Um, so how would you go about like doing that? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you really have to step back um, and think about like, what are the specific goals, right? So each of these different disciplines, strength training, running, power development, that kind of thing. Uh, they all boost different characteristics that are desirable for us. Right. Um, so, you know, strength training, uh, it's going to boost your muscle mass. It's going to make you feel, you're going to feel stronger carrying the groceries in. You're going to feel uh, better going upstairs, right? Like you're, you're not going to feel fatigued by the time you get to that 10th or 11th step, you know, like some of that just like stupid, boring, easy stuff during, during the day, like that's going to be noticeably different, but then that's going to transfer, right? Like, say you want to be outside and you want to hike and you want to backpack, you know, if, if you go into that, uh, without having strength trained, you know, if you hit a lot of elevation, your legs are going to be tanked, right? Like you get to the top and you're just going to feel weak. Every step is going to be hard. You're not going to feel in command. You're not going to feel in control, right? And so, you know, when that happens, that makes the experience a lot more miserable. Um, being strong, right, allows you to kind of maintain that control of your body, even in a fatigued state. So, I mean, there's part, when we're talking about like day-to-day -day, um, life situations, like basically elevates your feeling or, or, or elevates your feeling of confidence and control um, throughout the day. Like, you're not going to get fatigued. You're not going to feel worn out as easily. You're not going to feel less in control of your body, right? Um, whether or not you're out hiking, whether or not you're playing rec sports, like you're going to have a higher level of control in your body. You can then transfer that to like power development, right? If you want to play football, you know, in a rec league or something like that. If you're able to produce a lot of force in the weight room, you know, then you'll be able to transition that and produce a lot of force quickly. Right. So that's what power is. Power is producing force quickly. All right. You're going to have a ceiling on your power. All right. And you're going to have a ceiling on your strength. The higher that strength ceiling is boosted, the higher you can then push that power ceiling up. Right. So if you're somebody who wants to do like rec sports, you know, that's going to be your number one is you're going to want to boost that strength ceiling so that you can then start to transition that to faster displays of strength. Right. Um, and then the conditioning piece as well, that's going to be your endurance. That's going to be how long you can last. Right. So if you get out there and, and 20 minutes into your activity, like you're gassed, you're out of wind um, and you're not able to contribute to whatever competition you're doing or, or whatever activity you're doing, you're just miserable because you can't get any air in. 
right? Then your conditioning's lagging. So we need to build up that conditioning. So we got to put all those things together, right? In hybrid training. Um, there's a few principles uh, when putting together a training plan uh, to kind of maximize all of those variables. All right, the first one um, is basically like the law of minimums, right? For most people, especially if you're not like elite level, you don't have to do a lot to see an improvement. Okay, so, you know, say you want to strength train and you want to run. If you run a full strength training plan and a full running plan together, right? 100% of this plan, 100% of that plan, you're running 200% of your recovery potential, right? Like you've doubled, you're expecting your body to recover from 200% of a of, of full week's workload. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I got you. So, so if you're training at the maximum for both of those things, that's a problem. So if we're putting these things together, we have to really start thinking about what's the least amount I can do to continuously see improvement. So if we're talking about strength training, you might see a program that's like, hey, you should run eight sets of five on squats and you'll get really, really strong. Well, if you're combining that with a running program, like maybe eight sets of five isn't a good idea, right? Like maybe we trim that down to four and continually see progress there. And if that progress really slows down, we switch something up or we add an extra set or we change our rep scheme, right? But we start kind of at this base level of like, what's the least I can do that still allows me to improve? And same with running, right? If you're training to run a 10K, you know, you don't have to be running 40 miles a week. You know, you've got to be doing enough long runs, like three to five miles that get you used to being on your legs for a long period of time, you know, and you have to have a high enough frequency during the week to actually build an aerobic foundation. But you don't have to run a 10K three times a week, you know, you just have to develop that. So when race day comes, you know, you can get that done. Right. And then when the next training cycle happens, you're continually going to improve that, but you don't necessarily have to run maximum mileage. Does that make sense? So yeah, I got you. It's a combination of basically the law of minimums for both areas. You put them together. And then if you find that you've got recovery left over, right. If you find that you could do more, you're feeling fantastic and you could do more, then you kind of pick out what are the most important things to me. And how can I turn those up? Right. So if your deadlift is like your most important thing and you you're feeling great, right. Maybe you add a couple more, you know, tempo sets during your week to your deadlift and that dials up, you know, your, your, um, your technique on your deadlift and you get better there. Right. Or if you've got recovery left over, like maybe you add a track workout in to kind of boost your, your pacing and boost your speed for your mile, something like that. Right. So start slow and then build. Don't jump into it too aggressively. I think that's one of the big things when people are like, yeah, I'm going to start running now, right? Is they, they get out there and they run like five times a week and they're running like 20 miles. And they're like, why are my lower legs falling off? Why do my lifts feel awful? Like I thought running was supposed to make me feel good. And now I feel like absolute trash. All right. So start slow, build from there. Uh, the other really, really big one, the other really big principle for your training week would be consolidation of stressors. 
All right. Um, for any athletes out there, uh, a lot of athletes have run some sort of what's called the high low method. All right. And so for a lot of athletes, your in-week training is going to be like Monday, Wednesday, Friday is going to be a really, really hard day. And Tuesday, Thursday, you've got like easy tempo runs and an arm pump, right? Or something similar. It might not be that exact day structure, but it's like, you can tell it's very clear what days are like strength training, sprinting, jumping, and what days are like easy recovery, like not that hard of stuff, right? And what's going on there uh, is basically we're combining a few things. Um, you want to think about what body parts am I taxing that day, right? So we might be squatting and sprinting on one day. You want to think about, um, you know, how much mental arousal, how much mental arousal am I getting on that day, right? So on your recovery days, you want your mental arousal to be low, right? Like an arm pump, you don't have to like bang your head and drink a ton of pre-workout to get through an arm pump day. Like you just go in there and pump up and it feels great. And like, you can tune out. Right. Um, and then the other thing we're thinking about is just like, uh, the physical toll that we're taking. There's sort of a spectrum from volume to intensity, um, that takes a pretty big physical toll on an athlete. Right. So, um, you know, the, the furthest end of the volume spectrum would be like a long run. If you think about every step as a rep, right? You run 10 miles, you might be taking 25,000 steps, 30,000 steps. That's a lot of reps, right? 30,000 reps. What other exercise can you do that, right? So think about it that way. That's your far end of volume, right? Volume is like how many reps you do total. The intensity of each rep is really, really low, right? So each rep is, is easy to recover from. On the other end of the spectrum, we have like high velocity sprinting. We're like, you know, a, a true pure sprint workout uh, will have like maybe 300 yards of sprinting for a full day, right? Like that's not very much. That's three, you're covering three football fields in a 45 minute sprint workout, right? Like that's not very much. And the reason is because Every rep, every step is so intense uh, neurologically and from just like a, a, a muscle, pure muscle work standpoint that it takes a ton to recover from. Does that make sense? So for hybrid training, you know, and it's a little bit different for, for athletes who are in season, right? There's a certain way to structure it for athletes who are in season. But for hybrid training, if you don't have any other competing demands like like practice or anything like that, right? Uh, I typically structure my week um, along that spectrum, right? So I've got low volume, high intensity work at the beginning of the week. So my Mondays, to give you an example, my Mondays and a lot of my athletes Mondays are going to be like heavy squats and deadlifts. And then, you know, their fastest running work out of the week. Rather, whether that's sprinting, whether that's track repeats, whether that's like a fast tempo run, right? Their fastest run of the week is they're going to be, you know, stacked on that day, right? And sometimes you would think, well, that's not good. Like you're not going to be able to, to give it your all. Um, but you are like, surprisingly, you are. Um, if you manage load well um, and you make sure the athlete isn't just like completely wrecked by the time they get to the run, like they're going to do really well on that run. Okay. 
what that does is it kind of saves the rest of the week, right? We, we don't have to worry about heavy legs at the end of the week. We have the full week to recover so that next Monday we can repeat heavy legs. We don't have to worry about fast runs at the end of the week. We have the whole week to recover so that next Monday, you know, we can run really fast again. All right. So as we get to the end of the week, you know, I'm, I'm moving more towards like upper body volume, uh, some supplemental lower body stuff and our running pace and our running volume change, right? So my intensity on my runs goes down, my volume gets higher because that volume is a little bit easier to recover from. Okay. So, so Monday is my like squat and run day. Tuesday is going to be heavy bench work and maybe like, um, like a Metcon, right. That involves some upper body stuff. It's a little bit higher intensity than just like an easy run. Wednesday is going to be chill. Thursday is going to be some easy, like volume legs to kind of build up those weak points. Nothing heavy with an easy run. Uh, Friday will be, um, a long run. And then Saturday will just be like an upper body lift. Right. So that tail end of the week, isn't very high intensity. It's important stuff. It's, it's building blocks work but it allows me at the tail end of the week to fully recover so that when Monday comes around, I can still smash my heavy stuff. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And yeah. how do you implement and facilitate recovery within your athletes? Just because, you know, working out is putting stress on your body. When you're putting stress on the body, you also need recovery so that there's adaptation there. So yeah. how do you help facilitate recovery in your athletes so that they can give it their all in these workouts? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and I may have a, a bit different of a, an approach than a lot of people, you know, um, a lot of coaches prescribe like a ton of stretching, foam rolling, mobility work, that kind of thing. Um, to me, that stuff is an, if you have time and it makes you feel good, go ahead and do it. Right. But the main meat of recovery, the most important things um, that I emphasize with my athletes to get nailed down. Um, one on my end is just good programming, right? Like they don't have to play sports. So their workouts are the only physical stressors going on, right? So I have to program well enough that they can recover, you know, from the workload. Like I'm not programming too much. Their body can physically recover. Um, but then the other big rocks are going to be basically things in their daily life, right? You know, uh, on our weekly check-ins, we kind of take stock of like, what are your stressors this week? What's going on at work? What's going on at home? Um, how's life going? And like, where can we eliminate um, mental, emotional, physical stress outside of the training week? You know, because at the end of the day, uh, stress is stress, right? If anybody is interested in um, kind of that topic, why zebras don't get ulcers, by Robert Sapolsky is an amazing book, um, would highly recommend. And it's a good read for everybody. I mean, it gives you a really good perspective on how all the events of your day um, impact your total stress load, right? So your body interprets all stress, no matter where it's coming from, um, as basically an internal load that it has to recover from. So whether it's actual physical damage to a muscle or just like a really annoying like bug that you're just going over and over and over in your head and you can't stop thinking about. It's still stress and it still brings your body's overall, you know, responsiveness and ability to, to you know, just like get up for a good workout. It still brings that down, right? 
I mean, there's a reason during exam week um, why like coaches, sometimes some coaches, why it's a good idea for coaches to reduce the workload on their athletes, right? Because, you know, I'm sure you've noticed like when you're studying really, really hard for exams and, and life is stressful, you get into the weight room or you get to practice and you just kind of feel slower. Like stuff is harder, right? That's why. Um, and so that's the stuff that we go after. You know, we talk through like, how can we, how can we bring down stress at home? Um, how can we increase your sleep quality, right? Because kind of that's where all that repair and recovery really happens is while we're sleeping. Uh, and then, and then I, we put a big focus on nutrition, right? I mean, you need enough protein. You've got to have 0.8 to one grams of protein, uh, per pound of body weight per day. If you're hoping to maintain a significant amount of muscle mass, right. And all of my people are right. So that's our number one. A number two is just making sure that like, we're not eating stuff that our body hates. Right. And I'm not going to put a label on food, like certain food is good or bad. Right. There's certainly better or worse foods, but for some people, they know, like, if I drink alcohol all weekend, like my body's going to hate me on Sunday. Right. I'm not saying it's bad to drink alcohol. I do it. I did it this weekend, but my body didn't feel great on Sunday. Right. So, you know, there's a reason I drink usually Saturday nights is so that when Monday comes around, I've had a day to buffer that. Right. So I still feel super fresh on Monday. You know, like that's something that we have to think about is like what we put in our body, especially as you start to like perform at a high level and work out really, really hard. It's noticeable. Right. And so we take stock of that. How are we eating? Are we getting all our macro or all our micronutrients from fruits and vegetables? Um, are we eating enough carbs or timing our carbs well enough uh, to fuel our performance? You know, that's if we're doing a lot of volume, if we're running a long ways, um, you know, carbs are a really, really important fuel source. Uh, if we're lifting weight and we're lifting heavy and intensely, carbs are a really, really important fuel source. You know, I'm not here to uh, debate high carb, low carb, but frankly, um, burning fat is a really slow and inefficient body process when we're talking about like fueling performance, right? Like high intensity lifting or running fast, right? You just, you can't deliver energy as fast um, utilizing, you know, fat burning pathways. And so carbs are necessary there. And a lot of people are just cutting carbs because they feel like it. And so I'll have athletes come in who are like, yeah, I'm eating like a third of the amount of carbs that are necessary. And I'm feeling sluggish. Like, yeah. All right. Obviously <laughs> like, let's figure out how to bump that up. Right. Quality carbs, but like, let's figure out how to bump that up. So those are kind of the big ones that we attack is workload, sleep, life stress, and nutrition above and beyond that. If we have injuries or other nagging things, like I'll, I'll, you know, prescribe a few different corrective exercises or mobility work or certain things. But generally with those big rocks covered, uh, people are crushing it. I 100% agree with you. I was, when I started training for, for football again, uh, you know, in January, the first couple, three months, I would say, I really struggled to put back on the weight that I needed to, that I had lost. And once I started eating more and eating more carbs specifically, um, you know, it's the quickest way for your to get into your central nervous system and to help you recover. So 
I totally, anybody who, who thinks that like upping their workload and cutting their carbs is a good idea. It's not, it's not sustainable. So I a hundred percent agree with you there. Uh, but like you said, we're not going to debate high carb, low carb uh, on this podcast right now. But um, <laughs> Yeah. You know, I, I've really enjoyed seeing the evolution of your brand, uh, Grizzly Performance. Uh, why did you decide to go with a brand name and, and build a brand as opposed to, um, you know, going by Mike Woodby and, and developing a big personal brand? Yeah, that's a that's an interesting question. Um, again, man, it goes back to like trying to to be cool in the eyes of other coaches, right? Dude, immediately out of college, um, I actually started. I registered a business name because I wanted to do this right away out of school. And it took me a while, but the first business name I registered was elite speed and power. And I did that because um, it had catchy initials, which is something that I saw a lot of other professionals uh, in the field had, right. Um, You know, we think of like Cressy sports performance has CSP, right. And like other places, right. With, with these initials and that it's quick. And for all of us professionals, it comes to mind really fast. So I was like, that sounds like an awesome, smart name. All the other professionals in the field are going to think it's awesome. And athletes will flock to me (laughs) and they did it right. They did it. Um, And so I started thinking, I started thinking like, what, what really um, like conveys the vibe of my business better than my name does and better than the current name I have does. Right. You know, I could just be like Mike would be performance or just Mike would be right. Um, but I wanted something that when people heard it, like an idea sort of went off in their head. Right. Um, you know, when they see my business name and they see the content I put out, like it, it matches, it vibes really, really well. And, uh, and for whatever reason, just one day, a grizzly bear popped into my head, man. I was like, that's, that's the vibe. Um, and what I like about a grizzly bear, especially with the hybrid training idea, they're absolutely massive. They're ferocious. They're super strong. Um, but they're also insanely fast. They roam a huge area of nature, right? You find them in the mountains, which is a vibe. Um, And then, you know, like they're not, they're not really that scary of creatures unless you're a threat to them, right? Like they're pretty chill. They hibernate all year. They just lumber around and eat berries. Like they're these absolute savages capable of, of like arguably the best hybrid animal on earth right like maybe a gorilla but i think they're faster than gorillas um so they're the best hybrid animal on earth but they're not just going around tearing stuff up right like they're chill they're they're calm they they know how to manage their recovery they know how to find the nutrients they need they dwell well in the forest like they mesh with nature really really well and so that's what that's what i want to be basically um and that's the vibe that i wanted my brand to give off. So that's why I went with that, you know, with that name for the brand. And did you see kind of a, uh, a boost in interest and, uh, you know, people wanting to work with you when you had a purpose and a vision behind your brand? Yeah. 
I definitely did. And, and I mean, not even just the name, but as I started defining my niche um, and as I started getting more directed with my content, um, you know, I definitely saw that boost. It was like, I, I didn't have to like go out and ask people to be interested. It was like, I just had to be authentic and really start putting stuff out there for the people that I wanted to see me. And they did, they started noticing. Right. So, you know, absolutely. Like that was, that's probably been one of the biggest things I've learned is just don't, don't be afraid to be authentic and be really specific. Um, don't try to kind of lay this blanket that will appeal to everyone. Just be, just be really true to who you are and build a brand, you know, based off of what's really important to you and the people you want to affect and like, they'll notice. No, I love that. And I think that's definitely true. The, the more niche down you can get, the more specific you can get, um, you know, the more expertise you're able to offer and uh, you'll be able to find, you know, a client who's mutually wants to, um, you know, work with you. So uh, two more quick questions for you. Yeah. The first one is, you know, I know it, you haven't been doing this that long, but I could sense your passion, um, your desire to help people. And, um, you know, I can just see like, you feel like you're living with your purpose with what you're doing, but um, what excites you the most uh, with your business, um, with your hybrid athlete endeavors as um, you know, personally, just what, uh, what excites you the most moving forward, if you can narrow it down to one thing. Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, I think there's, there's personal ones and there's, there's business ones, right? Um, what has been really, really exciting for me. And I think other young professionals, other people new to what they're doing, will see this as well. Uh, what's been really exciting to me is seeing that my coaching actually works, right? You know, like uh, a lot of times I think we like kind of have these things in our heads, but we're not sure if it's actually going to flesh out, if it's actually going to work, right? And then I deliver programs to people and they, they're consistent and they get their work done and they actually meet their goals and they actually crush stuff. And every time that happens, like it's at first it was like, wow, we got lucky, right? And I was like, no, we didn't get lucky. Like, not just I know what I'm doing, but like it works. And if these people put in the work, like they're going to be successful, right? Like that was a really exciting realization. Um, and that's a realization that like, I'm excited for the future with, right? Is like, basically, like, as I grow and develop these systems, just like more and more people are gonna, are gonna show up and put the work in, and like absolutely crush their goals, right? Like people are going to come out of here deadlifting 600 pounds. People are going to come out of here running sub 20 minute 5Ks, like because this stuff works and because people are interested in that. And so basically I'm excited for the people that I haven't worked with yet, right? Like, um, like I'm excited to work with them and I'm excited to like see those things happen, right? And not really from a, like a, a prideful standpoint of like making me look good, it's just like, it's so cool when it happens. You know, it's so cool when people continuously are like, I feel amazing and like, I can do anything. I'm like, wow. Like, that's a feeling that I want to chase all the time is like, you know, like this partnership was really, really powerful and really, really good. So that's something super exciting for me just on the coaching end. Um, you know, that's what's really driving me forward. Um, the other thing that, that keeps me moving forward basically with remote coaching is just the opportunity for 
freedom, right? Um, something that I'm passionate about and that I really would like to do uh, is basically live as a nomad at some point. I agree. Um, and like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. And it's, and it's getting to be a pretty big thing where a lot of people can do it. Um, but a lot of people are doing that with like salaried corporate jobs. Right. And it's like, if I can build my own business and like live wherever I want to, um, like that's awesome. So I would love to, uh, basically hit the road and live out West out of a travel trailer and have a, have a portable gym in my truck, man. <laughs> that's, that's the dream. That's what we're working towards. Um, but then beyond that, like just using, you know, I, I would like to grow businesses to the point where, you know, have one or two that, that my name and my business is big enough that I can positively impact, um, like conservation efforts, um, that I can positively positively impact like environmental pursuits and just like contribute to things that are really, really important to me beyond exercise. Right. Um, so I'm excited about that long-term and like this, that keeps me on this career path. It keeps me dedicated to building a coaching business because that's something that gives me the freedom kind of to do whatever I want with and to build out my brand in whatever direction I want, you know? So long-term, like I'm excited about that kind of thing. That's beautiful, man. And yeah, I can, I can, I can tell how passionate you are about the outdoors. You know, a lot of your content is geared towards that. And it's, it's very unique um, in mm -hmm. the space, how you connect, you know, fitness and, uh, you know, passion and just an excitement for life uh, all, all into one. So I think that's really cool. And I think that's very valuable. And that'll be sweet if you're able to to travel around and do that. That's, that's a goal of mine as well, um, is to uh, be able to work remotely and travel. But uh, the last question I have for you here is the question I ask all of my guests and it's kind of tailored towards Pure Ambition Podcast. That's that's what this is called now. And yeah. um, you know, I've really just, the word ambition, every time I hear it, it just fires me up. Um, when you hear the word ambition, you know, what does it mean to you? Um, how do you implement it into your daily life, um, into your short-term goals, your long-term goals? Just when you hear that word, what does it mean to you? That's a tough one. Um, I've, I've struggled with this um, just as I've grown as a person and gotten to the point where I think I have a, a good definition um, for myself. A lot of times when I hear ambition, it's like, it's like uh, it gives me the idea of people trying to, to make like an amazing name for themselves, right? Um, and maybe not everybody really like my, my name. I don't really mind if, if people are like obsessed with my brand or who I am, uh, anything like that. I really want to impact people on a personal level. And I really want to live a life that explores what I really, really love, what my passions are and allows me to invest, um, both from a, you know, my enjoyment perspective and from a, a betterment perspective and the things I care about. Right. So I want to be able to invest in, you know, gear to explore the outdoors. Right. And just like a lifestyle that allows me to be outside, but also, you know, invest in conservation efforts and, and put a lot of time into um, just basically bettering the world in that way. Um, and so that's what ambition, that's what ambition, I guess, is for me, um, is 
not chasing like the top of the ladder, not climbing the ladder and, and being above everyone else. Um, because I'm, I've, you know, something that's gone on all my life is, is I've always underestimated, um, who I was. I've always thought like, uh, I'm not much. Right. Um, and so I like that. Like I like staying down there. I don't, I don't like the, the feeling of being up high and, and, you know, being this big person that everybody looks up to. Um, I love sort of staying on level with everyone and looking eye to eye with everyone and being able to have a positive impact that way. Right. Like, you know, in our current climate, I think a lot of people are just like angry or view themselves as either better or worse than other people. Um, and I just kind of, I kind of want to come in on level with everyone and make sure everybody knows like, Hey, like, I don't even, I mean, I care who you are, but like, it doesn't affect like the fact that I see us as equals and I want to affect you somehow on a personal level. Right. If that's, if that's with coaching and that's, you know, making you an absolute beast athlete, then fantastic. Um, if that's just as a person that like I spark you to, to think a little bit more deeply about things going on in life or, or like I set you, you know, on a path to broaden your horizons or I'm just there. I just show up for somebody to listen if they, if they need to talk, right? Like anything like that. I just, I want to put myself in a position where on my terms, I can be the best I can be for my wife, for the people around me, for the people I care about. Um, that's what ambition is for me. And I want to do it um, on my terms, right? Doing stuff that I love, living a life that I love, right? So I think that answers the question pretty well. Yeah. It does. It does. Thank you for that. You know, that was, that was awesome. I really enjoyed what you had to say there. And uh, I think that's all extremely true. Um, Mike, I just want to thank you so much for what you're doing. Yeah. And I want to acknowledge you for the good works that you're doing uh, in your business and you're doing it with a purpose. Um, you know, all the aspirations you have to you know, help nature conservation and help the environment. Uh, I think it's incredible. Where can people find you uh, on social media? Basically just Instagram. Um, I'm hoping to kind of like branch off, but, but Facebook is a rough place sometimes. <laughs> so not really on there. Um, basically just Instagram at the moment, grizzlyperformance.gp. Sounds good. And I will, uh, I will link that in the show notes, make sure you get on there and uh, check out all of Mike's content. There's a lot of value in there. And uh, if you're trying to be an elite hybrid athlete, um, you know, hit him up. he uh, he can get you right. So Mike, thank you so much. And uh, you know, I'll talk to you soon. I appreciate you having me on. Thanks a lot, man.